0: On uh, including myself, that would be uh, a, a PTAC member. So I think we can go ahead and get started.
1: Uh, yes, that looks good. I will I'll keep my eye out. I have not seen this person join yet. We do have a new member who got appointed um, between mm-hmm. the last meeting and this one by the mayor. Um, so I, I would like to introduce that person, but I don't see them join the meeting just yet.
0: Agreed. I do not see them on the uh, meeting either. So, uh, uh, I apologize. I can't remember your name. Could you uh, go through uh, rules of engagement for Zoom calls and roll call, please?
2: Yes, I can. Um, Good evening. My name is Andrea Lynch, Transit Planner 1, Lawrence Transit. Here with me is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. He will work alongside Mike Wozniakowski to facilitate the meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. And now I will do roll call. Lance Fay. Here. Max Schieber. Here. Mike Wazikowski. Here. Alan Ackland. Here. Gregory
3: Critchlow. Bill Wilson. Here. August Rudisell.
0: Do not see August on the line right now.
2: Freddie Gipp. Here um and as our new member joined
0: i don't believe so i do not yeah i do not see their name either okay we're still at uh, six people though so that does constitute a quorum uh committee members thank you for uh making time today to uh, be available um with the order called, uh, first item on the agenda then is public comment. Uh, I do see we have a letter from uh, Patricia Sinclair. Um, Patricia would you like to uh, speak to us at this time?
4: Um yes, uh, Mike, I didn't know how how I would I'm supposed to do the 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 voice public comment.
0: Uh that's In perfectly the- fine. You have you have the uh I our general rule I think is three minutes but I mean you're if you're the only person providing public comment we can give you a little bit more leeway because
4: so I didn't prepare a written three minute thing okay I have to okay. go I, I just have to juggle my phone and get to the place where I had that so I'll be uh, I'm not going away I'm just um uh just going to the place where I have a copy of it here okay here I was promised a copy of the final proposed plan of June, I said 6th, but it's the 7th, uh, by Adam Weigel, but he didn't send it. And then a quote from him from an email he sent to me saying, we can get you a printed copy once that is available, but I never got it. Uh, This follows many attempts by me to get printed copies of proposed routes, all unsuccessful. Without these, I cannot see what routes are available, irrelevant to me, and plan and comment accordingly. I asked that they be delivered to me since I hadn't been able to get them in the manner told to me by Emily. Then I asked that they be mailed to me as I would pay costs involved. Finally, I went to the library on June 11th in the heat but found I couldn't print the 125-page report. The link to open this report on the agenda was broken. It took me to an iCompass site where I needed a password to get in. I finally found a way to get in but I couldn't do much then as I needed to leave to catch a bus which only runs once an hour to the Merck. I used the lift on my bus when leaving the Merck. This never worked well when used on 9th Street stop. Who inspected that stop with what qualifications and determined that it will work well for the lift in that narrow grass space and do they plan to move the shelter there? I've been treated in a dismissive and patronizing manner by Adam who reassured me that they would help me figure out my roads after they were implemented in January. The point of commenting ahead of changes is to know the situation and advocate before final changes are made. Key questions such as the situation with the transfer station downtown went unanswered. We did not have a phone conversation. My written comments have not been read or addressed by PTAC for the April 11th or May 9th meetings. The May comments can't now be accessed as they tell me to use a different type of PDF app. That's to open them. The April comments and questions were sent to me, were sent by me to the correct address at 11.27 a.m., but were then forwarded to PTAC by Andrea Lynch, thank you, um, at 3.11 p.m. and show that I sent them to KU on Wheels, which is incorrect. So therefore they got the comments just before the meeting. I don't think anybody ever written in, in my comments. I'm a senior citizen with some mobility issues. I have only an iPhone, but no computer or printer at home. The minutes of the past two meetings of PTAC are incomplete and incorrect and do not accurately or completely report the substance of what transpired. The procedures surrounding this planning and approval process appear to not comply with the City of Lawrence's strategic plan framework, for example, Connected City. I don't think the plan supports making decisions, decisions based on the money you can generate, which leaves some folks with less desirable service. In most cases, the stops and the lines are not indicated, which makes planning and commenting difficult. One Lawrence Listen survey would not allow for general comments. You could only comment on a specific route. If you did not know the relevant routes, you couldn't comment on them. I was so frustrated by this, that I just commented where I could fit them in. A previous survey was unapologetic that I could only be taken by computer, not phone. Please, Please provide me with the funding sources for this endeavor and contact information in case I pursue making a formal complaint. These comments do not reflect any personal animosity toward the members of PTAC. I have not been treated unkindly, but the system does not seem to work well, and there's a very short amount of time in which to do a lot. I do wonder how we wound up with a group of all men. If written comments are not read by PTAC commissioners, then what is the point of submitting them? They appear to be a mere formality. I'm totally exhausted, frustrated, stressed, and more by the lengthy process involved with PTAC and before. I worked hard on this yesterday, which was difficult due to not having a printer. Unfortunately, I finally had to go to sleep for a few hours and I've had a very difficult time writing it by the deadline as I'm experiencing brain collapse that coffee won't cure. I'm sorry about the typeface issue when I copied and pasted an email from Adam near the top of my email. I hope that is readable. (laughs)
0: Thank you for your uh, comments, Patricia. Um, PTAC members, does anyone have anything they'd like to uh, respond with at this time? Uh, Well, Patricia, I'll, I'll tell you. For me, I'm deeply sorry about that you feel like you've been uh, discounted. Um, I, I can address some of your concerns, but frankly, I think that your concerns merit more of a in-person kind of visit to help you figure out how to navigate the system. Um, so um, if you can nav, can you find my email on the website? Uh, please yeah. send something to me personally, and we'll arrange something. Uh, I don't know what my exact schedule is this week, but I should have some time after my work schedule is done to come meet with you and uh, help you figure out what we can do to oh, make sure that your concerns are heard.
4: You don't have to come anywhere. I live in an apartment. I don't. I don't go out, especially this week. I don't have a car, so I don't. That's go out fine. Anywhere. I
0: want to visit. I want to come to you. It, I want to make this as easy for you as it can be. So I'm happy to go wherever the city bounds Lawrence. I assume you're a Lawrence resident, right?
4: I am a Lawrence resident, but I, but it's going to be like 99 degrees all week. So, you know, well, anyhow, we can
0: find some, time. we can find some shade. I would I'll like to meet with you in person to help you.
4: Thank you. But I, I I appreciate that very much. Although I'm sorry that I can't. I would actually wanted to say that if these things are true, which I would, I'm not a liar and it's been a struggle. And I feel like I've hung in there with every step of the way and for a long time. And, and I mean, it's just shocking to me that I couldn't get these documents to even know which were the routes I should be pursuing. And that if I, if I'm promised finally that I'm going to get sent a copy, and I don't get it, then what am I to do? And that's you between rock and a
0: hard place. So
4: thank you. Well, I guess I just wanted to influence whether you accept these changes tonight because this afternoon. Um, sorry, I still haven't had any more sleep, but I have had more coffee. Okay, thank you. Well, I just, I, I mean, I feel like this is a, a not personal. This is a bogus, and I don't usually attack people personally, but I really feel like Adam has not been fair with me, and and now and now it's now it's time for everything to get approved and and successfully get me out of the way. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Patricia. Um, Adam, is there anyone else in the uh, city commission room for public comments? And thanks to the camera swap, I see that there is not. So um, with that, I'll close a uh, public comment this time. Uh, Patricia, I would invite you to speak when we get to the route redesign, though, whenever there's a route that comes up for you. Uh, next item on the agenda, then, is approval of the minutes from the May meeting. So. Uh, PTAC members, I hope that you've had an opportunity to uh, read through the minutes as reported. And uh, if you have any uh, changes to propose, as always, I will offer three opportunities for amendments before we approve by unanimous consent. So first call, do any members of PTAC have amendments to offer to the minutes from the May meeting? Second call, do any members have amendments to offer for the minutes from the May meeting? Last call, do any members have any amendments to offer to the minutes from the May meeting? Hearing none, they're deemed approved by unanimous consent. Okay, first item on the agenda then, is the final planned route changes for route redesign, uh, specifically for the routes uh, that will be occurring from August, 2022 to January, 2023. Uh, Adam, I believe you have something that you want to present to us. I know that there is an, an attachment that is a 114 page PDF of the summary, so quite extensive, if you haven't looked for it yet, committee members.
1: Yeah, so Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, So we do, uh, I know it's quite a long summary. Uh, This follows what we've done the last couple of years. We um, always have some amount of proposed changes. We do um, a lot of public comment. This year we had about 35 different in-person and virtual events um, from proposed final route changes to what uh, is is planned. so the document outlines kind of what we put out to the public, uh, what we heard and how it influenced those final plan changes. Um, so for each particular route, there's there's kind of those three segments, um, which is what makes it such a, a large document. There's also quite a bit. Um, one thing we've tried to do the last few years is at the very end of that document um, is a very large table that characterizes all of the open-ended public comment that we got and um, we do make an attempt to try to respond to as many of those as we can um, that uh, so people have can see some follow up from from staff and what people thought um, about different things. So the content of what is in there is not uh, very dissimilar from what was presented to you all at last uh, month's meeting for final plan changes for both August and January. So. Um, I do plan to walk through every single route, um, but I do wanna call out some of the um, minor revisions that have happened during that time. Um, we had some discussion I know last uh, last month about the route that serves North Lawrence, the Ninth Street Corridor and the Sixth Street Corridor. So I wanna talk a little about that and some of the uh, the additional look that we took in the area around the Merck. Um, So I'll bring that up and I will I'll go to those specific um, items and then I am happy to um, talk about any specific area of town or any specific route. Um, But uh, given the how we went through everything last month, I I won't be going through each of the 19, uh, 19 routes tonight. So with that, let me jump in. And I actually, am going to start um, this document I just put together quickly. Um, so it wasn't on the agenda, but I wanted to talk through it. Um, we did some restructuring of our numbering system for what we're calling different routes to try to um, maintain and clarify simplicity between um, routes operated by the University of Kansas and operated by the city so broadly i want to highlight that um city routes are uh, generally routes 1 through 12 um, in in direct order we don't have any gaps Um, and you'll note that uh, route 4 11 and 12 are the ones we've identified as as the coordinated routes 12 used to be 29, um, four used to be 100 and everything that we talked about in, in prior, uh, redesign. And then there were a couple of other shifts that got things to line up, um, kind of in direct order, but we know we hear from the public that it's useful to understand which routes are funded by KU and, and thus operate, um, you know, mostly during the fall and spring semester, and which ones people can expect to operate um, with consistency across the entire year. So um, I bring this up to, to highlight this um, broadly, but before I jump into any specific routes, are there any questions about this general idea? I'm happy so, to. Um,
0: just one quick thing. May, the main difference to me seems to be when these routes are operating.
1: Is that correct? That is. So you in in a general sense, you can look at everything uh, routes one through twelve. Uh, the intent is to operate those um, in the plan come January because those will operate at a consistent level. Um, Monday through Friday and Saturday, throughout the entire year. So as an example, um, routes 11 and 12, which have historically been 11 and 29, are coordinated routes between the city and the university. And they have different levels of service, depending on if um, it's during a fall or spring semester or not. There's been um, a new effort through this process to not have, from a user experience, from a transit rider perspective, to not have service levels change and have peaks and valleys of service. Um, So people should see routes one through 12 all operate at the same levels across the calendar year. And on the back end, the university and the city are figuring out the appropriate levels of funding and investment to put towards those coordinated routes. Um, But what we're trying to avoid is kind of that peak and valley, you know, people who may live uh, along route, um, what has historically been 29 and will now be 12. And they're just trying to get to the grocery store. And it's a lot easier in September than it is in December. Um, That's what we're trying to make better through this route redesign process. Does that make sense? Thank you. Can I
5: add? add in there, but some of that variation comes from whether or not it runs on Saturday. And so that will be much more consistent too.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the one extra tiny thing I didn't mention um, is that the coordinated routes that you see in gray, those will have some added evening kind of later night service from 8 p.m. to 1030 during fall and spring semester um, because of you know KU's priorities when it comes to those coordinated routes. So that's a little extra bump that they get during the semester times, but 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and then also Saturday will be consistent across the year. Okay, I'm happy to come back to this. Um, as there are questions, we'll also see some of it in the summary document. So um, let's jump straight to what merited quite a bit of discussion um, at last month's meeting. So this first map I'm bringing up is the uh, proposed, uh, what was proposed route 4. And we had a lot of discussion around how this route operates near um, Merck and um, Possibility of deviation, you know, taking it south uh, to more uh, closely serve that bus shelter that's there. So I show this as a reference, and I'm now going to flip to the planned route. Um, so I want to first talk about um, kind of what a lot of the discussion was last time or a couple other changes I want to discuss. but.
0: Uh, Adam, this looks
1: like it's Route 6, not Route 4. Right. So um, in that last list I showed you, that was some of the restructuring that happened. Um, This particular route through the proposed stage um, was called Route 4. Because this operates on the majority of the 6th Street corridor, um, this was one of those realignments to bring it back um, to a route name that made a little more sense. so this is a planned route six you know the number is different from what was what was proposed in order we thought that six made a lot more sense since it primarily operates along the sixth street corridor
0: got it thank you yeah
1: and i mean you highlight something that uh there, there are going to be some growing pains as we redevelop the entire system and are, are trying to work with naming conventions and different things. So um, we're trying to make that as, as clean as possible and try to make it uh, not only good short term decisions, but long term. So um, we hope that you all bear with us. We hope we can work with the public to make it um, you know, as simple as people for people to follow as possible. Um, so we had some discussion around, um, around this idea of westbound trips um, turning left at Iowa Street off of 9th to serve the Merck um, bus stop and then make their loop around Harvard and Centennial to get back. And uh, this document walks through a couple of the reasons why we're not showing that um, as, as part of the final plan changes. Um, we did go out there, you know, there are some um, there's some construction activity that's that's wrapping up soon in that area that has added sidewalk. Um, I know one of the concerns was. Uh, so this is the same area. You've got Ninth Street. You've got Iowa. Here's the mark. Um, one of the concerns was was this the accessibility of this area. Um, Both of these stretches of 9th Street on both sides have rebuilt sidewalk. Um, And in the place that we are locating the bus stop that people would use on westbound trips, um, as part of that project, we've added an accessible boarding pad. So there is new concrete in this area that um, allows someone to get directly from the curb to the bus. in a wheelchair other mobility device and then this whole intersection has been um rebuilt with with new sidewalk and curb ramps um you know repainted crosswalks and there's a pedestrian uh, button to get to and from so as as part of us looking at at what we need to do in this area that that was part of our thought process um, Another uh, just consideration I want to highlight is uh, one of the uh, purposes or, or uh, outcomes we were looking for of this route was directly connecting uh, people in North Lawrence uh, food desert to affordable grocery options um, along the 6th Street corridor. So um, the Merck is an option that, that folks in North Lawrence have had a direct connection to for a while. Um, and we believe some people use that. Um, we also think that that some of the other grocery options along Sixth Street can be more affordable <laughs> for some folks. So we just we had some concerns about um, you know adding an extra, uh, what's likely to be four to five minutes to a route that doesn't have a lot of layover time, um, essentially slowing people down as they head westward towards maybe more likely grocery options for, for some of those riders. So that was part of um, the thought process as well. Um, I mentioned the timing. Uh, so this particular route is quite long. Um, it has about uh, six minutes of estimated layover. Um, so that layover is used um, for a couple different reasons. It gives um, bus operators, kind of built-in time to go use the restroom when they're out during the day. Um, It provides time for routes to catch up if they've gotten behind schedule. You know, this particular route will be subject to some of the same challenges of Route 4 in that it crosses a um, train uh, track, which we sometimes get caught behind and lose some time throughout the day. Um, So that layover time is important for um, for. Drivers to be able to get back on schedule, and for us to not have to send out additional buses um, for for missed trips. So that was just another concern of of kind of adding, you know, on westbound trips an extra four or five minutes um, to buses traveling that direction. So um, those are some of the reasons we 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 do think that it's it's practical and still. Um, a good option for people to use an improved bus stop headed westbound um near beamers accessible boarding new sidewalk to get to the mark um, and for some of those other reasons did not plan on making that change i do have um some other changes that i want to get to in in the area of of wakarusa and out by free state high but i might pause here just because i know there was a a lot of concern related to the area around the Merck. So I might just check and see if there are additional thoughts and questions about that.
0: Agreed. Yeah, PTAC members, any comments, questions, concerns? I heard Lance chime in. Yeah, Lance Faye,
6: uh, Vice Chair. So this does address one of my biggest concerns, and it was also brought up in previous public comment, and that'd be um, the safety of riders and pedestrians along the, around the intersection of 9th and Iowa. Um, the previous uh, route would have forced people to try to cross there. Um, and so if I'm assuming that where you're going to put the bus stop, there, there's a current bus stop for eastbound on 9th Street, uh, kind of really close to the Merck. It's it's just about a block to a block and a half west of Iowa, um, right in that shopping center. And I'm assuming that you're going to put the uh, right across the street from that along Centennial Park is where the the westbound
1: stop would be correct and there is um there is a stop there currently it is um without the sidewalk over there it's not you know it's not very accessible um it's just a little bit west of beamers so we're moving that about 70 75 feet back to the east towards the intersection of ninth and iowa and adding an accessible boarding pad so it should be um so it'll still see on the west side though correct okay that's the important thing as long as it's
6: on the west side the other thing that i was concerned about on the, the previous proposal the route is taking that turn on iowa and then having to turn left on sixth street from there and um, with traffic and where you would put stops and so this resolves that um turning on uh, Rockledge is well, going to be a lot less of a traffic mm. hassle
1: so those are good points. Um, Since, you know, since you brought up Rockledge, I think one of the things we're interested in and excited about are, um, you know, this alignment has been something that Route 36 has done for a while on the KU side. But um, with Route 6 coming through here as well, there's a good amount of apartment density near 6th and Rockledge that we think will become, um, you know, another pretty useful uh, group of riders or access to a useful route for, for
3: folks who live in that
1: area. Any other thoughts on that, Mark, area before I talk about some stuff a little bit west?
0: Adam, could you jump back to Google Maps? I'm curious, How far is it from where we're playing? I'm putting that new pad to the corner of 9th and Iowa there.
1: 245 feet.
0: Okay. And they'd still have to cross and no matter what if they're coming from that direction, basically. No.
1: Yeah, the, um, there's a crossing, um, they have to cross that mm-hmm. east leg, or the west leg, yeah. I'm sorry, from the north side of 9th Street to the south side of 9th Street. They have to use that pedestrian, push button, crosswalk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But do not have to cross Iowa, so that's good. Do not have to cross yeah. Iowa.
0: Okay. It's not necessarily ideal compared to what it is right now. It's definitely a little bit more of a schlep, but it seems a lot more feasible with the uh, improvements that we're putting in at that intersection.
1: I think it's a good highlight of the compromise. You know, none of our bus routes are perfect. There's a ton of uh, what I like to call like micro planning like this that we have to do and figure out what's the... um, you know, what's the best set of things we can give people on a given yeah. route?
6: The uh, question. Um, so, with this route, would we be using one of the larger buses on this route
1: instead of the little cutaways? Yeah, absolutely. Once, you know, once this is serving kind of a much larger and different set of of users, this will need uh, one of our larger buses for sure. Much better for ADA accessibility. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the only thing I would want to watch out for in the future is uh, there might be some people who decide that they don't want to walk all the way to the Ninth and Iowa intersection to cross 9th Street, and they might decide to cross around either Beamers or Centennial. And that might just be something that we need to uh, keep right for. Is this an option to add in another like at least crosswalk area? And they're not necessarily metered, but something to show that we're responding to the emergent risk uh, needs of people to cross the street right there vice going to the intersection
1: and we did have some internal discussions about that i mean i think we we face those challenges all over town you know we, we try to be strategic about where we put things to encourage the behavior that we want to see um but it's, it's also not all us, right? It's, it's, we kind of got to respond to the environment that exists. Um, but it's a good, you know, it's a good thing to bring up and we absolutely will, we'll be watching this and probably quite a few other things as routes change, um, and kind of people getting used to their new, their new patterns. Okay. Well, happy to come back to this. I do want to touch on, um, some edits to a little farther west on this route. So we were um, we were looking in the area of of Sixth and Wakarusa. You've got um, a few different things that we really want to be able to serve in both directions conveniently. And you know, it played around with um, you know serving things in just one direction um, versus both. Um, Lots of the two direction options, we were missing some pieces, um, you know, some key destinations that we wanted to serve. And I think we finally settled on on something that um, gets us to a lot of the the ridership generators in this area and hopefully makes it a little easier for people than what they deal with today um, on today's Route 6. So I'll mention some of those those ridership generators that we're thinking about um, near 6th and Mockery 6th uh, and Folks, uh 6th and Congressional. Um you have uh some more and more housing, um particularly senior housing developing near 6th and Folks, um Overland and Folks in that area. You have Free State High, their stop near Overland and Champion. Um South of 6th Street, we heard from folks at Rohan Ridge Apartments and a couple other apartments, as well as uh, people who use the Dillons uh, south of 6th Street there. You have Walmart um, near 6th and Wakarusa, um, Waukerusa and Overland. And then along Congressional, you've got... Um, Some apartment complexes just south of six that we haven't been able to serve closely before, as well as uh, some pretty dense apartments um, just west of the Walmart across Congressional Drive. So there's quite a few things going on, all of them that we'd like to serve as directly as possible, and all of them that we'd like to serve in two directions um, so that people uh, can easily ride to and from these different places. So uh, this is the alignment that we've settled on out in this area. Um, So today's route, when it comes off of 6th Street headed westbound, um, it uses folks and Overland, you know, Overland all the way out towards Rock Chalk Park. On its way back, it uses Overland until Wakarusa and then hits 6th Street and comes back, creating this one-way loop um, that kind of serves two groups of people, half as well. So under this new alignment, um, we're taking things in both directions, um, hitting all of those destinations that I just talked about. And it, it does create a, uh, a couple extra turns, but we um, are, are excited at, uh, at the ability for a lot of these, these places with some newly added stops to get um, more convenient service a lot closer to them. So I wanted to highlight some of that and see if there were any thoughts
3: or questions. This is August
0: Rudi. So I really do like the change where you added Congressional Lane. I know, like you said, I know there are a lot of apartments over there. and I do hear a lot of traffic in the area. Um, So I'm really glad that uh, Congressional was used as part of the loop. My only concern is the Champion Lane roundabout. Uh, just, it just seems very congested, especially during school, and uh, that light is timed to favor east-westbound traffic. Um, other than that, I do like the new
1: layout. Yeah, August, that's a good point about the light. I mean, we've got – I think we're comfortable with the geometry of the roundabout, I'll say. I mean, traffic and congestion is another thing, um, but, but the light we will have to keep our eye on. And we've got a couple places like that as well um, that we'll just have to monitor. And see what sort of impacts we have. I know there's been a lot of uh, efforts recently to um, alter light timing along some of our major corridors, Sixth Street being one of them, to create better flow east-west. Um, so we will just have to keep our eye on what that means as we kind of enter and exit those, uh, you know, those major corridors.
3: Uh, any
0: other p members have comments, questions, concerns about this part
6: of the route? Uh, Lance Faye Vice Chair, not so much this part. I do think I, I think I agree with Mike's concern about um, kind of back by the Merck area. It might not be a bad idea to look into the possibility of some sort of pedestrian crossing farther back from Iowa. Um, an example I would give is across the street. Uh, if you take the route to Checkers, and a little about a little about a block down from the bus stop is a pedestrian crossing that allows you to get across Louisiana a little more safely and not have to um, navigate the intersection and in the parking lots. And that might be a necessary uh, improvement to make on along this route. So I might want to consider that
1: yeah, it's a good comment. I think um, yes, certainly something we can we can talk with our partners in MSO about. I think we'll be challenged a little bit by needing it to be far enough away from Iowa and then to be comfortable with something like that, but but a good point and something we can we can touch base with them on. I know as a general rule, there's a lot of work ahead of us um, through. The through MSO and through the MPO on identifying uh, crossing improvements and prioritizing those and how we invest in those. So there's a lot of that work that um, is still to come. That I think we've got some info on, but I think there's there's quite a few crossing concerns throughout the city that that probably need some work. All right, I am going to to the next one. Sorry for motion sickness here. Um, okay, jump to routes one and five. And again, just to orient us to what was proposed, and you know, hearing public comment through these interlined routes, um, no huge changes to this one. Um, The the challenge we're looking at as we timed this out, we were we were being challenged by the amount of time it was taking to run a bus across both of these routes and kind of stay within what we needed for appropriate layover and different things. Um, And so the area we looked at was, um, you know, the the proposed plan was to do the inner line and a turnaround for our buses in a piece of the parking lot for the community shelter. Um, that particular piece um, adds a, a little bit of proximity, um, you know, not a lot, but a little bit of proximity for riders to and from that area, but is, is kind of an outsized uh, time spend to do that. So as I scroll down to the planned route, we have adjusted the interline location to East Hills. Um, so the business park that both routes will serve. Um, the area that, sorry, I'm
3: gonna zoom in here.
1: The Lawrence Community Shelter and uh, the jail over in this area have a, a current stop near 25th and Franklin. So uh, that's just one way service you know, for buses headed in the downtown direction um so we're we're looking to maintain that stop and add uh essentially an eastbound for people that want to connect to route 5 and anything along the 23rd street corridor um, but this kind of streamlines this area instead of dipping in and out and using a parking lot turnaround which is also um you know not something we typically want to do to get on on property and do that um, that's the change we've made for, for one in five that you all didn't see last time. So wanted to show that and see if there were any thoughts or questions about that edit.
3: Uh, PTAC members, anybody have comments, questions, concerns? I'll make sure I give Lance enough time because I know
0: he's deep in thought there. I'm I'm good. Okay. Anybody else then? I'm satisfied with this, surrounding. It seems like a logical place to make that inner line work. Okay.
3: Um
1: I believe that covers any changes that you all did not already see at last month's meeting. So, um, Margaret, can you think of anything else?
5: 34 and 38.
1: Oh, thank you. Do you. I'm happy to talk through these. Do you want to talk through them?
5: I can give everybody a little variety. Yeah. Um, the university had a proposed change here to the interline for 34 and 38. And similarly to routes one and five, it wasn't quite working timing wise. And we happen to know that all the twists and turns getting up and down off of the hill around the Kansas Union and GSP Corbin are a pretty significant time uh, in every route we've ever run. And so if you want to scroll down, Adam, but we came up with is to do the inner line on mississippi street below the union instead of above the union this will cut out uh, i think about six turns uh, in each direction and gives us enough time to be able to do the rest of the route uh, within the time that we want it to be to keep 30-minute service and then in addition we know that eventually our goal with some construction that's happening on West Campus around 21st and Iowa will be to move the route to Iowa Street instead of Ausdahl through the Schweigler neighborhood. And so in this iteration for the northbound trip, we're going to go ahead and move to Iowa Street after going through 25th and Melrose. That won't need a light uh, to be able to accomplish that. That also gains us a few minutes to make this a more doable route. And then once the light is functional at 21st and Iowa Street, then the route will move off of Owlstall for the southbound trip as well. I think that basically covers this one.
1: Yep. Yeah, so, you know, right, right now, because there's no light here at 21st and Iowa, southbound trips can't come out and make a left onto Iowa, so we still have to go through the Schweigler neighborhood using Osdall to use lights to get back this direction. So this stretch here, as Margareta said, will become bi-directional as soon as we get the light that helps us make that happen.
5: And that's supposed to be in about 18 months. (laughs) It's not soon, uh, but it will be eventual.
3: Any thoughts or questions on those changes?
0: I have none unless my fellow PTEC members have questions, comments or concerns.
1: Um, I'm happy to go to any routes people want to talk about Um, just Before I forget this point, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, Patricia brought up a good point about stop locations and there will be uh, a pretty, there's a complex process being undergone right now to identify, um, how to appropriately locate new stops or move stops to make all of these changes work in August and then again in January. So we're, we're working on that, um, Closely with KU and and then also on the city routes to determine the, the right spots for those. Our intentions for stop placement are consistent with what we've tried to do across the city where we're, um, as a general rule, um, trying not to make anyone walk farther than a couple of blocks, uh, trying to make stops that people would use in both directions, like to and from a location, be relatively close together so that it's simple to understand um, where you get on and off going in each direction. So um, I guess just know that we're we're working on that in um, you know, in our ride guide production, the printed materials. That's where the specific locations of stops are able to um, be shown to to members of the public. And we we're kind of in a constant feedback loop from People giving us um, insights or thoughts on stops to add, or would be better if you moved it 100 feet to the north. You know, we, we feel that type of stuff all the time and try to evaluate it and, and make it better if we can. I think um, one of the areas that just pops to mind that I suppose it's probably been um, maybe a year or more ago was we added a couple of stops near Aldi. Um out on 31st Street, because we had a few different people trying to connect to that grocery store. And we're having a tough time with existing stops in that area. So um we do like to hear those recommendations um from people. They they don't always work exactly um just because of turning movements and things, but um just wanted. I to,
5: can I can I add in a little summary of the three main spouts for that this time? Sure, yeah. Uh, with Route Eleven and 12 being interlined through campus. We're going to add a couple of stops along Naismith Drive and Sunnyside so that there will be good stop locations going in both directions. And uh, how far back do you have to go?
1: I think I've made it. Ah, I think.
5: Yeah.
1: So along here?
5: Uh, around. Capitol Federal Hall. So uh, the section along, yes. So where Sunnyside goes east and west, we currently have stops just on the south side of the street, and we'll add a stop on the north side of the street, where that will be sort of centrally located at the crosswalks. And then at the next intersection south from the curb, which is Schwagler Drive, next to Capitol Federal Hall. We'll add stops there so that people don't have to travel around the corner to get to their destinations at the rec center or Watkins Health Center or Capitol Federal Hall. And then on this combination, there's also going to be a new stop at Bob Billings and Castle in order to have a stop on the east side of the intersection for folks who would be losing the service from Route 30 being cut off there. And we're hoping that having them not need to walk all the way back to the intersection at St. Andrews to board will help mitigate their pain at needing to walk out to the intersection to be able to catch the bus. Those are the two main spots that I can think of that would be of interest.
6: Thank you, Margaret. Uh, Lance, Vice Chair. Um, Adam, were you going to go through the routes two and three interline? Uh,
1: sure. I'm happy to. I should ask everybody to close their eyes while I do this. <laughs> okay. So, um, two and three. So, I guess I'll go up to uh, the proposed routes before we... Um, made our final plans. So there is no change in alignment of these routes. When we proposed these, it was uh, routes three and six. Um, I mentioned we we wanted to use route number six for a route that primarily operated along 6th Street. So um, the name of this north-south route that goes from Central Station to LMH out to the um, uh, industrial area near Lakeview. Um, that alignment is the same, but this map is labeled as six, and our final plan is labeled as two. This is part of um, kind of route naming convention changes. But um, Lance, it would be helpful just to walk through kind of what each of these routes does. Or do you have a specific question?
6: Uh, the, the thing I'm trying to figure out on this route is how it travels along 6th Street. It looks as if it starts from downtown, goes up main, and then goes you know way up north, then becomes the 2, comes back down by the hospital, then goes back to 6th Street. So you, have, you don't really have a continuous route along 6th Street. It's kind of divided up. And I'm just
1: trying to figure that out time-wise Right. So yeah, let's talk about the sixth street corridor as a general rule here. So if you are in the downtown area trying to get to the sixth street corridor west of Rockledge, you would use route six to do that. You'd travel along the ninth street corridor, like we just looked at past the Merck past Iowa and, and out farther along sixth street. Um, The area of Sixth Street between Iowa and downtown um, is divided between two routes. Um, We we took some pretty hard looks at kind of exactly what's going on um, destination wise in this area. One of the um, intentions of this is to directly connect people with the hospital from both the downtown transfer area and Central Station. Um, these routes overlap so that we can hit both the, um, Heartland Community Health Center that's moved a little bit to the West and then Burt Nash, um, and the health department building, which is, um, off of Maine. So that's why you see some of that overlap. Um, let's see, I'm gonna try to annotate a little bit here. I think that might help. So, you have, um, I'll use a color other than, yeah, a lot of residential here. And so, when we were looking at what these two routes do and what people in this area might be needing to get to, um, we saw relatively adequate you know walking distances to Route three that would get people downtown. Um, or Route six, which gets you to Central Station where you can go you know most places throughout town. Um, the you know commercial destination wise along this stretch of Sixth Street is just interesting. You know there's a there's quite a bit of fast food, gas station, car wash, Uh, liquor store, um, you know, it's uh, other than a lot of the hospital and medical uses that are north of this area that we tried to make sure routes two and three connected to, we um, weren't as sure about when people are riding from downtown, how many of these destinations, like the commercial ones along sixth street are they trying to get to versus the hospital type uses. So that was part of our calculation, I I guess, that made us feel um, more comfortable with this not being a continuous route here. Is that if you're trying to get from downtown out to this part of 6th Street, you would use Route 6 to do that directly from downtown. But I might stop talking there and see if I'm off the mark or if you had other types of questions you were uh, yeah, Lance Faye, vice chair. Um, so as an experienced
6: bus rider and having lived in that neighborhood, I I understand what's being proposed and I understand why it's being set up the way it is. I would be able to understand it and use it. But that's going to be very confusing to somebody that isn't, you know, isn't uh, knowledgeable of the system. Um, so that's going to take some uh that's going to take some ex- explanation to anyone who isn't familiar both with the bus routes that exist now and how they might change and, and that neighborhood. Um, so, I mean, although I understand it, I can see there'd be a lot of people that are just really confused about that.
5: Yeah. I, may I add, I live on Route 3 and also use the bus and communicate with people about how to ride the bus a lot. And my experience through the public engagement process is that I did have conversations at several public outreach events with people who live along here and were really wondering how this would work. And once I explained that there would be the opportunity to transfer at Rockledge and more easily and that you don't have to ride all the way to the end of the route to make transfers, uh, at least two of those people thought that actually sounded pretty good because then their trip ends up being shorter instead of longer. And I'm really excited about the bidirectional service. I think that the people who are most likely to be impacted along 6th Street might be our high school riders who are trying to get to Free State by using a public bus route. But I think they're going to figure out the transfer situation very
3: quickly. Yeah, and Lance, I,
1: I agree with you that, I mean, I think in this case and in many cases, this is um, anytime you do major redesign of routes, we're going to need to put as many resources as we can as trying to help people figure out what their new patterns are going to be. I think we, you know, through imp- public engagement and a lot of the, we spent a lot of time on the platform downtown talking with writers. And I think that's where we educated and heard from them a lot what they expect from this area. I think we talked with a lot of Route Three riders, a lot of Route Six riders. So um I'm sure we have not reached everyone. I'm sure there will be people who are surprised by change and have to adjust to it. Um but I think it's our goal to try to set it up um for for long term benefit and then uh you know try to be responsive with travel training with um, you know, additional engagement once things are um, close to changing and changing to to try to ease those pains. I don't know that we'll be able to avoid it, Um, but we're going to do our best
0: Uh, Are there any other comments, questions, concerns about this particular route or anything else from PTAC members or uh, other members of the public who I see on the call? I know there are a couple of you out there. If not, uh, then I think we would. This, the time is ripe to entertain a motion to approve these uh, routes as laid out in this document, if uh, any p members want to offer that as a motion.
7: Senator Lackland, the p member, I, I did have one question on Route 42 proposed map.
1: Yes, would you like me to bring that up, Alan?
7: Yeah, I think it was that the only one that didn't have a street background on it. There was one that had just like the highlights or points of interest, and there was no street map behind the. the I think I think it was forty-two proposed.
3: Well, let me see here.
1: Oh, just like street names you mean
7: well no well maybe i thought it was 42. There were, i thought we had one that was just there was no street backgrounds at all It were just the a series of dots and it may just be the pdf that i was looking at
5: it might day, be but, just a load time issue mine the maps show up last when i opened it okay
7: yeah that could have been it because it, it struck me as the only one that just had highlights and did not have any street uh background so yeah, it could have been just a delay on my machine then. Thank you.
0: Well, this is August Rudisall. I make a motion to approve the final plan route redesign summary for the 2022 August route change. Thank you, August. Um, other PTAC members, is there a second to that motion? Lance Faye, second. Okay. We have a motion on the table then. Um, unless there's any final discussion, I'll give you all one last attempt. do would have been. Okay. Uh, Andrea, could you uh, do roll call on vote for approving this motion?
2: Yes. Um, Lance Faye? Yes. Max Schieber? Yes. Mike Wazakowski? Yes. Alan Ackland? Yes. Um, Bill
3: Wilson?
0: Looks like Bill Wilson's
2: dropped off. Okay. August Rudisell? Yes. Freddie Gipp? Yes. And Foster Speckinger?
0: Yes. Uh, That sounds like unanimous vote and approval. So um, I believe that carries then. Thank you very much for the uh, good discussion and productive thoughts on uh, how we've adjusted some of these routes to better make them accessible for everyone. That uh, next item on the agenda, then, is uh, a uh, discussion of fare-free pilot policy. Um, Adam, I believe you have a uh, brief document you want to show
1: us to hopefully foster some discussion. Do, um, so Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager, before I jump into this, I know we're, um, coming up on 5:30 here, so I don't want to take too much time, but I did see foster jump on foster. Can I ask, uh, foster is our newly appointed, uh, PTAC member, um, with us just this month for the first time uh, got appointed after last month's meeting. So I didn't know Foster, if you could hop on and just introduce yourself in 30 seconds. So the group knows who you are and where you come from, all that stuff.
7: Yeah.
0: Hi there, apologies. Um, my name is Foster Speisinger. Um, originally from North Missouri, lived here in Lawrence for about two years. Um, work at Amazon and KCK. Um, originally graduated from Truman state university, um, in Northeast Missouri, but,
1: um, since there's limited time, I'll go ahead and pop off there. All right. Thank you. We'll get a, um, we'll talk more next month, maybe get the groups more info about you, but thank you. All right. Um, So I had included a a document about fair free uh, pilot policy. So I do think uh, what we're seeking is an action from this group to recommend or not recommend a a policy to the city commission. Um, I've laid out uh, some of the uh, same information that I gave you all back in March when we first talked about fare free, um, there was some additional information. We had one um, uh, committee member who did have some concerns that I thought were were good for us to see and talk through as a group. Um, you know, different uh, different concerns and thoughts on on some of these things. So I wanted to characterize that in a way that I, I hope this group could um, come to some um, consensus on. So I'm hoping that today we do um, get to a place where uh, you all can decide whether or not to recommend a one-year pilot policy that we would then take to a city commission for um, for formal approval um, or denial. So uh, one of the reasons we're, we're taking it that route, um, we typically take any purchases to the city commission that are over $100,000 as part of our purchasing policy. Fair free policy is a pretty A big new concept for us and will be um, foregoing a a fair amount of revenue. So we just want to make sure that that type of policy, even on a temporary one year um, pilot basis, kind of makes its way through the appropriate decision makers. So a couple of things I'll highlight. I put in some of the same information about um, what our policy is now, tried to characterize the staff time, the hard dollars we spend on collecting fares. Um, some of the, the variety of reasons why um, staff thinks it's a good idea to try a pilot for one year. Um, we're in a good financial position to do so after um, quite a bit of federal formula fund increases as well as one-time stimulus fund increases. Um, we're at a place where we're trying to recover ridership and um, fare free has been shown to increase ridership uh, quite a bit in other communities. Um, there's, you know, some of the biggest concerns that bus operators face are at the fare box. You know, people trying to pay appropriate fare and not having fare, uh, having to verify that people are eligible for reduced fare. Um, most conflict that bus operators deal with is right at the fare box um, and and just the time it takes to do that for each boarding. So there's a number of reasons why we're um we're interested in trying this, there's also a lot of community interest in it. Um, I One concern I wanted to pull out, there was, uh, you know, we get a lot of our local, our, all of our local funding aside from fares we get from a dedicated sales tax. And we use those funds to, uh, as a match, to leverage federal and state um, formula funds. There was a concern about, uh, any changes the legislature might make with the food tax and would that, does that impact us? Does it not? Um, so I just wanted clarity on that, that, um, no matter what happens with state food tax, like the sales tax on food, um, that does not impact our dedicated sales tax that was voted on by referendum in our community. Um, the total sales tax in our community is, um, in the neighborhood of 9%, I believe. and um, you know, we have 0.2 cents on that, that is not impacted, even if some of the other sales taxes, you know, go away or get reduced. So yep. um, yeah, and to a certain degree, we might actually see our sales tax uh, revenue increase if people are, you know, grocery shopping more. Um, uh, if the food tax gets reduced, um, we're still getting our, our piece of that. So I wanted that to have some clarity to it. Cause I do think that was, um, a good a good question and our point to bring up. Um, with that, I guess I'm really looking for I had tried to pull out and highlight some of those kind of uh, those concerns that weren't necessarily raised back in March um, and just see if anybody had other concerns, thoughts um, that we that we could or should work through as a group. so I'll, I'll leave it at that.
0: Uh, PTAC members, uh, I hope you've been able to look through. I did, uh, as Adam noted, there are a handful of spots where he uh, identified we want we should discuss this concern. I recognize we have about 12 minutes left. So discussing all of them in detail is very difficult. Uh, one, uh, a couple of the aspects that I in particular wanted to hinge on were uh, the uh, equity and ridership recovery discussions. And I also wanted to uh, uh, hit on the last note about uh, the ability to uh, offer uh, fare free and how that would impact paratransit. So um, unless someone else has uh, a specific issue they want to bring up from this document, those were the three that I thought we should discuss (coughs)
1: primarily. And, Mike, I don't know if you want to wait till after there's some discussion on PTAC. I do see at least maybe one member of the general public. I don't know if you want to do public comment. Yes, let's do public or comment
0: first. Um, but I do, I only see one person in general on the general. So, uh, Michael Allman, I believe that's your hand raised. Go ahead.
8: Uh, yes, good evening. My name is Michael Alman. I'm with Sustainability Action Network. Um, and because of the time, I'll try to be brief, but basically, Sustainability Action Network, among our various programs, focus on climate emissions relative to transportation, as well as land use and energy production and things like that. But in this case, transportation, um, I'm kind of surprised if, if this was developed by the, the whole board or a committee or a staff that whoever didn't put in here something about climate impact because it's significant and it could help you in selling this, you know, when you get to that point to the city commission. Um, transportation energy is something in the neighborhood of 30% of uh, our national energy expenditures and approximately the same percentage emissions, climate emissions. That's the largest of any sector in our economy. And in that uh, transportation sector, the largest contributor to those emissions are single occupancy vehicles, cars with one driver and nobody else in it. Um, Transit is viewed among, multimodal strategies for any community, it's pretty much understood that for multimodal design, transit is the backbone of that system that then includes um, walking and bicycles, scooters, anything else, they all feed into transit. And that whole multimodal system could potentially offset quite a bit of single occupancy vehicles, motor vehicles. So I I encourage you to look into that a little more and include that in your rationale for doing this. All your reasons are great. We support it all, Uh, but we encourage you to add that to it. So that's all I need to say, and I commend you. It's really great. Thank you.
0: Thank you, uh, Michael, Front fellow Michael. I would just advise in terms of the pollution stuff, we definitely take that seriously. That's a big reason in particular why I personally support our effort to uh, start deploying electric buses to our routes. Looking forward to that coming up in the next couple of months. Um, and we'll definitely keep expanding those. And I, I agree, the more people that we get to ride buses vice single occupancy vehicles, more likely we are to reduce the pollution from our transportation sector. So. Uh, All in favor, I'm not sure that where exactly it would fit into this discussion, other than it should have a point somewhere. Uh, So uh, thank you, Michael. Is there anyone else? I know there's a couple people that might potentially have comments. Nope. Okay. uh, so the three points that I want to bring up, uh, the first comment was about the equity of this. Um, in terms of whether riders who uh, are not paying their fares have a sufficient skin in the game um, in terms of how they're paying for it, my perspective is exactly the one that's outlined in the document that if we are all paying a sales tax that is intended to fund the operation of our bus system, then Everyone who is buying stuff inside the city of Lawrence and paying that tax is throwing their skin into the game and making sure that uh, they are contributing their costs. I imagine that for just about anyone, that sales tax is going to more than add up to the cost of whatever fares they might have uh, uh, contributed for their rides over the course of a year. Is there anyone else who wants to discuss that point in particular?
6: Uh, Lance Fay, vice chair, not, not so much directly on that one, but I did want to hear um, what the impact would be for uh, the paratransit and nightline riders, uh, because I do believe that we have some restrictions and requirements um, where those are concerned.
1: Um, so I can speak to, uh, you know, Nightline. We don't necessarily have um, restrictions on that one. That's a general public demand response. Paratransit, our um, the the bounds that we have to stay within are that paratransit cannot cost twice more than twice as much as the base fare for fixed route. Um, because some people need to use paratransit and cannot use fixed route. So if our fixed route fare is zero, our paratransit fare must be zero. So that's the the rules we have to follow with that one. Um, We, you know, some of the concerns or or the unknowns for us are how much that ridership will pick up and our ability to deliver service um, with that increased ridership. Um, you know, our, our current paratransit ridership is still down. We're we're at about sixty percent of normal ridership pre-pandemic, so we do have some capacity to to bring in more trips on paratransit um, because we're because we're down so much. So it's going to, I think, be a little bit of time before we would um, we would see you know the type of demand that would outpace our ability to deliver service. Um, you know, appropriately on the paratransit side, but to a certain degree, that is that is just unknown until we until we give it a try, until we see how many new trips people might take who are already using paratransit um, if there's no cost. Um, that's kind of one of those things where our position's been we we know there's going to be an increase there also. Um, it's not just going to be on fixed route. We just don't know to what degree, and I think we're prepared to adjust based on what that looks like the short-term fix would be we just we get more vehicles out on the street than we've done um we've done even pre-pandemic and we accommodate what we need to to get people where they need to go we've got the funds through the year 2023 to make that happen and then we could decide towards the end of that year you know is our new paratransit trips, um, so high and so overwhelming that we can't afford all the new resources to keep that up indefinitely. Um, you know, that's, that's an unknown. I think that we are kind of prepared to come back to the table if it's a, if it's an issue.
6: Okay. And so the night line and then would, would be, would stay at its current, uh, um, fair. And then what about the Sunday on demand service? Would that be similar to nightline or similar to the rest of the weekday service?
1: So I apologize. I misunderstood the um, the question. So we are our intent is to go fare free across our services. So um, fixed route, paratransit, nightline and the new microtransit. Um, it's our intent to be fare free in all of those areas the bulk of our cost for any one of those services is a driver in the seat. So if I have somebody driving a fixed route for an hour or a microtransit or a nightline for an hour, um, the cost of that is about the same. Um, so it's, it's you know, we're, we're not really um, confident that if we were to keep any one of those services a paid service, that that would be an equitable thing to do for people using them. Um, so it's our intent to go fare free across the system for a full year and then um, have that be a learning period to determine if, if there's you know different complexity that we would wanna bring back. Um, one of the challenges is we don't gain any of the efficiencies of staff time and the hard costs for printing passes and Brinks armored truck service. We don't gain any of those efficiencies or most of them unless all fares go away. Um, If some fairs remain, we we have all this processing and admin work that still
3: has to happen.
0: Uh, Thank you for that discussion. Unfortunately, we now have one minute left and I do not think that's appropriate to continue discussing this further. Um, I'd just like to add in before we break on that, uh, I do still want to address the ridership recovery issue because to me, more than equity or anything else, that seems to be a linchpin in terms of what economically is the benefit or the hit to the city's budget from foregoing uh, fares that, you know, if we end up for going fares, which is great. And we drive demand through the roof. If we have to put a bunch of new buses on the route, we need to make sure that we're covering that funding in some way. But we do not have time to fully address that. So uh, I would like to table this until next month's discussion. Um,
1: Mike, could there- I ask, I mean, could I just ask if I see a number of members still with us? Is it feasible for us to extend a little bit to continue this, or do uh, we need to uh, well, I can.
0: In that situation, I can stay around for another probably <clears throat> 10 minutes or so. Um, any other PTAC members, to, if we need to sign off, we need at least five to continue to do official business.
7: Excuse me, Al Ackman, PTAC member, I'm signing off
0: at 5.30. Okay, that would take us down to five, Foster, August... Max, uh, Freddie, are you available to stick around a little bit longer? I'm good to say. Okay, then. Okay. Okay, I think that's enough, then, Adam. We can keep going for a little bit further.
1: Okay, I would appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, so, uh, last, look, jump back in in terms of uh, ridership recovery. Um, I'm not sure what the appropriate balance is in terms of trying to promote more rides for people who are already active riders and trying to promote people who are not active riders to uh, start using the bus system on at least an infrequent basis. Um I, and I wish I had an idea in terms of is going fair free going to primarily juice the people who already ride to do more, or is it going to actually induce people to uh, take rides when they wouldn't otherwise? So I'd like to open up the floor to discussing that point. Um, I saw Margreta was raising your hand. Go ahead.
5: Yeah. I wonder if my perspective of when KU went fair free might be somewhat informative. I realize that it's, Not quite the same since we have a sort of captive audience on campus, but our predictions for increased ridership was uh, at the time about 20%, and we experienced an increase of close to 100%. Of course, this is before the pandemic, and in no way a similar time of people riding transit, uh, because that was 2008. But the capacity on all of our buses was enough that we were able to absorb the majority of that within our existing service. And I think that it really is something where you'll be able to see uh, immediately where this is an advantage for people and immediately where some things shift around. And this is how KU's routes get updated every year a little bit is to reflect that ridership pattern and we collect so much data these days on buses compared to what we did in 2008 that it will be very there will be a lot of data for staff to use to really analyze that we're putting the resources exactly where it needs to go and I I work with Adam and all of his staff on this quite a bit and throughout our daily, Uh, Coordination efforts and it's a significant amount of time that I spend looking at it for KU and I'm rambling now. I'm sorry. My main point was I think that you collect enough data that you will be able to closely monitor the situation and truly react as you need to.
0: Thank you, Margareta. Lance Lance, Vice Chair,
6: um, I think that you probably will not see as much of an increase on the city routes as you did on the ke routes but there will be an increase also the city routes i think are uh they're still capacity on the buses for more riders in most situations, particularly if we're using more of the larger buses and fewer of the cutaways. Um, and I think also uh, with all the changes uh, coming up in the, the routes, this is a great time to uh, go ahead and, and have fare free. Um, so I, from a writer's perspective, I think we have the capacity to deal with it and, you know, we can analyze data as it comes in. I, I'm not, concerned about us being overwhelmed uh especially not right away Uh, i imagine if you get halfway through the year um we can revisit some other options but i i i don't see a situation where we get overwhelmed immediately by this at all
0: thank you lance uh any other uh members who haven't chimed in have anything they want to add in here
3: Okay,
0: well, um, I'll tell you, my personal leaning is we should support this policy and uh, send it to the City Commission for approval. So uh, unless someone would like to uh, propose the uh, alternate, which is to continue the existing fare policy, uh, I would definitely welcome a motion right now to recommend the fair-free pilot be uh, started at the beginning of 2023.
6: Lance Faye, I make a motion to recommend for air free.
0: Thank you, Lance. Is there a second? Good, so I second. It. Thank you, August. Uh, we have a, a motion and a second. Um, given we've provided sufficient opportunity, I think, to discuss uh, unless someone has last comments. Okay, Andrea, could you please go through roll call and uh, tally up votes, please?
2: Yes, um, uh, Lance Faye. Yes. Uh, Mike Shee or Max Schieber. Yes. Mike Wazikowski. Yes. Um, Alan Ackland just hopped off. Um, Bill Wilson.
0: Not present right now.
2: August Rudisell.
0: <clears throat> yes. Freddie Gipp. Yes.
2: And Foster Spicinger.
0: Yes. That's a unanimous vote uh thank you everyone for that um adam, just keep us in the loop when that's going to go to the commission uh just in case we'd like to uh, speak in favor of it I-, I can't imagine this is going to be something that fits on the consent agenda but uh yeah, see what happens um that then we just have a clean up loose ends uh adam i believe you wanted to mention something about the uh, june 25th event
1: yes um I'll be sending out uh, we'll have a a press release going out either today or tomorrow if it hasn't already gone out related to details for unveiling electric buses. We're going to have an event um, downtown in front of the library on June 25th. There will be a how to festival going on that the library is hosting out on the library lawn. So we'll be kind of adjacent to that out on Vermont Street. We'll speak a little bit we'll have some cookies refreshments we'll speak a little bit about project partners just honoring all the different groups of people who helped with uh this project and then we'll be able to take a few bus rides around so um, hope everybody can make it um like i said i'll send out more details to this whole group it'll be june 25th 10 a.m to noon uh right in front of the library downtown so hope to see you there <coughs> Thank you, Adam.
0: I am um, I believe I will not be able to attend. Unfortunately, I need to go up and visit my mom. It's been about a year since I've been able to see her, and this is the one of the few times that it's going to work out for her. So. Uh, but I can provide written comments if someone would like to uh, advise. Or uh, Lance, I'm sure that you would be welcome to speak at this as well for P-TECH. Uh, Lastly, uh, as always, if you have any agenda items or concerns about public transit that you'd like us to address in a future meeting, please email Adam, Lance, or myself, and we will discuss that the next time we set our agenda for meetings. And we'd love to take your input uh, because there's only so much we can do to guide you guys. We need help in terms of what you guys want the city's public transit system to look like as well. So uh, with that, our next meeting will be on July 11th. Same bat time, same bat channel. Um, I assume since we're on Zoom now, we'll remain on Zoom for the foreseeable future. Um, if not, uh, we will figure out where we're going to meet in person. Um, yeah. Any last uh, remarks, Adam, for Lance?
1: Nope. That's all for me. Thank you.
0: All right. Thank you very much for your time. We're adjourned. Have a great night.